Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new episode of the Spiraling Podcast. I am your host, Jackson Walsh. I got my friend, my buddy, my pal, Jason Holland here with me. Jason, how you doing, man? Good guys, how are y'all? Hey, you know, we're doing okay, we're doing okay. Listen, for the time of this recording, you guys know, we are just, me and Jason are banging out several episodes, okay? We're going back to back to back to back. We got another one we're recording tonight and then one tomorrow morning. We had one we recorded yesterday. So you guys are going to see all of this kind of jumble together in the same time frame, even though it's going to be spread out over the next couple of weeks. But we hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday season. We're getting closer to Christmas. Actually, this one's going to come out right before Christmas, Jason. I think it's going to come out at the time early next week for us. So um, anyway, we have a wonderful new guest on today. And by the way, if you guys ever need guests for podcasts, Podcast Guest Connection on Facebook, great place to go. (laughs) It really is. Like people comment like crazy. It's super active. If you ever need a guest, Podcast Guest Connection, that's how I met Anne. We have Anne Livingston on the show. Anne is a published author and spiritual mentor. She just recently ended a three-year nomadic journey, living solely based on her intuition. She teaches others how to embody their power and light. Her passion is in teaching others how to live an authentic, soul-aligned life. She also mentioned she also mentors those who are committed to speaking their truth while sharing their story with the world. Anne, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm doing well. How are you? You know, I'm good. I'm good. We mentioned a little bit in the pre-show. It's 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 that time of year. We're feeling good, right? It's 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 festive outside, and uh, for for those of y'all who don't know, listeners, whatever, I'm I'm from Texas, and and mentioned she's from Phoenix, and we take any cold weather that we can get, okay? Because it, <laughs> because it just gets way too hot in the summer. We never complain about the cold, so I'm having a great Ugh. time. I'm like outside all the time. I'm like, it's winter. I'm outside. It's always sunny. And, you know, I mean, it's sunny like 300 days out of the year or something in Phoenix. So, yeah, no complaints. No complaints at all. Well, Anne, thank you for coming on. I guess I'll just kind of give you a little introduction for us. Uh, I'm Jackson. So um, uh, host of the show, Spiraling. And this is, of course, Jason. Jason is uh, the founder um, of the the Holland Foundation and of Spiraling Ministries. Basically, what we want to do is we want to... To, uh, Jason has a story, wrote a book, and we want to uh, provide hope and healing for anybody um, uh, going through their own problems. You know, it could be, you know, mental health problems. It could be uh, drugs, addiction, um, things like that. We're, we're trying to uh, provide uh, counseling services to those who need it as well. So um, anyway, that's kind of a little bit of, uh, of, of our story. Um, I'm hoping, though, maybe you could share us a little bit of yours. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if I'm like, I have no story to share. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up? What's happening? <laughs> so, yeah, like you said in my intro, I just ended a three-year nomadic journey. Mm-hmm. And basically what happened, so my background is in early childhood education. So I was a teacher for seven years. Very cool. Um, I taught in Florida, Texas. Like, you know, we talked about the fact that I lived in Houston for two years. And then yeah. I moved to Chicago. And my final, or my first year in Chicago teaching, there were 50 school closures. And I ended up losing my teaching career. Oh, no. And I was like, what do you do with an early childhood degree? You know? Mm-hmm. And so I became a nanny. But at the point that I became a nanny, I was like, this is not my calling. Like, I love the children. I loved what I did. But I knew that that wasn't my purpose in life. And so um, I ended up becoming an entrepreneur. I became a coach. And I started working with people in their own health and wellness journey and really looking at the patterns and the stories that were holding them back. Well, during all of that, I basically hit my own rock bottom at the end of a relationship, 
um, entered into my dark night of the soul, my spiritual awakening. And I got the intuitive hit in February, 2017 to sell my shit and hit the road ultimately. And, um, during all of that, as that relationship was ending, I was working with a coach who was really bringing to my attention that I was severely codependent. And I was like, no, I'm just like, I'm just in a relationship. Like everything I'm experiencing is totally normal. And Mm -hmm. he was like, no. And you know, you are completely dependent on this person for your happiness. And when I started to unpack that, I started to realize I am addicted to this person's love. Mm. I am addicted to men. I am addicted to alcohol. I'm, it was like, I was like, all of a right. sudden, everything kind of blew up in my face. I was like, wow, I, I thought I just had an addictive personality, right? Right. And then I realized that, no, I'm actually addicted to anything external that I am using to fill some sort of void in my life. And gotcha. so, okay. so when I then became a nomad, it was this very difficult but empowering journey of really cultivating unconditional faith and cultivating a relationship with God I never had before Mm -hmm. and really understanding the power of consistently coming back home to myself. And through that journey, I basically healed all of my addictions. Very, very cool. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there for sure. (laughs) For sure. Okay. Simple, but obviously it's deep. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So my first, I guess kind of my first question is what, and forgive me for my ignorance, what exactly is like a, the three year nomadic journey? Can you describe kind of that process of what that looks like? Yeah. So when I left Chicago, so I sold everything. I had no car and I had two cats. So it made no logical sense at all. Right. Everyone was like, this is really stupid. I'm like, I don't know. God's telling me to do it. So let's just see what happens. And so I rented a car from from Chicago to Mississippi to to stay with a friend. My intention was to stay for three weeks. I stayed for eight months because I hit financial rock bottom. My business hit rock bottom. I went into even like darker darkness. I went into depression. Like, you know, it was just spiraling downward. And, um, as I was working through healing all of that, then finally, eight months later, I left Mississippi. Well, for the, for the rest of the three year journey, I moved solely based off of my intuition. So basically it was wherever I felt magnetically pulled within my body. So it's like, you know, when you have like a natural attraction to someone or something, you feel that internal pull, right? So I was paying attention to that feeling in my body and where in the country I was feeling drawn to. Okay. And so when I felt that pull to a place, um, later I pulled in an atlas and a pendulum to kind of double check, you know, I was using tools to double check my intuition. But then I went onto the Airbnb website and I started to kind of read the energy in the pictures and, and again, paid attention to where am I magnetically feeling pulled through, you know, in all of these places mm-hmm. on the Airbnb website. And so that's ultimately how I traveled around for three years. I love Airbnb. Just, 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 just in general, just in general, I really, I like it. You know, we, me and my family use it all the time, you know, if, if we're going out somewhere or uh, I'll go on a trip sometimes with my dad and we, we'd go somewhere for business and instead of staying in a hotel, Airbnb, if you can, by the way. It's you the know. best. It is the best. No, no free shout outs, no free shout outs on the podcast, yeah. but, 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 but shout out to Airbnb. Um, <laughs> absolutely love that. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So you said you, you, you started your career early childhood education. Yep. Which I which resonates with me quite a lot. I uh, for those who don't know, I for about ten years or so I worked at my mother's uh, <clears throat> excuse me uh, daycare, and so oh, nice. Yeah, and so 
she owned and operated that for like 20 something years. I think it was like 25, 26, something around there. And we recently sold the business and, and, uh, um, and she was going through part of a struggle of her own. But, um, yeah, so that, so that really resonated with me, um, that, that, that she, uh, worked with childcare. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it's also, it's kind of the foundation of, of what I do with my, my clients. So I do a lot of inner child healing and re, like learning how to reparent ourselves and looking at the subconscious and in the spiritual community, it's called shadow work. Like it's called all these different things, but basically it's, it's looking at all of those old stories that are holding you back, the old beliefs, the old patterns. And, and a lot of those things do actually feed into your addiction. And so what I learned when I was in the process of healing and I was looking specifically at, at my alcoholism, yeah, I realized that there was this little girl within me who didn't feel seen, didn't feel loved, didn't feel heard, didn't feel worthy. And I, so I was always looking outside of myself for someone or something that was going to make her feel better. Of course, I didn't have that level of awareness, but that's ultimately what it was. And so when I went through, you know, really journaling out and listening to what does she have to say? What does she need me to know? And the more love I gave her, I just, I wasn't white knuckling. I think a lot of people kind of like white knuckle it through recovery. And I was just, it just, I naturally no longer had the desire to drink. I just, you know, it was just, it just went away. It just went away from that. Yeah. I was, that was actually going to be my next, what was called my follow-up. So you said you 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 were addicted to alcohol. What was that? Um, so how long was that for you? What was that period in your life? Like, um, when did it start? I mean, again, these are personal questions. If you don't want to answer, no, them, it's feel, fine. Go, it's, go ahead. But I'm open. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just, I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I mean, I started drinking before I was 21. So, okay. you know, it was, um, I like, can't remember exactly, but I know it was before I was 21 when I was my freshman year in college. So I went to the university of Iowa my, my freshman year and I flunked out because I was drinking and partying all the time. I didn't go to class, you know, like that was, that was my life. And then even when I moved to Gainesville, Florida, same thing, I was, I was still drinking, but at least I was going to class. I was, you know, getting good grades, but I was, I was always drinking. I needed to drink in order to have the confidence to, to talk to men. I needed to drink in order to have the confidence to even talk to like women who I thought were more intelligent or um, were more successful. It was just, it gave me that confidence. So that just continued. Well, then years later, when I was in Houston, I met my now ex-husband Yeah, and he, um, looking back, I'm like, he was an alcoholic, but because like, because his behavior exceeded mine, I thought mine was normal. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And so I, I found myself when I sat down and really reflected back, I was like, I kept dating or eventually getting married to, to someone whose behavior made mine look normal. Cause as long as mine looked normal, I didn't have to look at it. I could project my shit onto them and constantly try to fix them. Right. Yeah. Your drinking is the problem. Your behavior is the problem. When deep down my, my little child was like, no, please stop drinking because it's painful, you know? And then my next yeah. relationship, which was the beginning of like the ending of that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening. I kept telling him, I was like, you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic. And I was monitoring all of his drinking behavior. And, and I realized that I was actually screaming for help because I wanted to actually stop drinking. Gotcha. Gotcha. Jason, uh, uh, did you have any like similar feelings towards with, like with you, with your drinking or was it just like, you just 
like, did you need the, uh, and again, I, I don't want to speak for you. Did you need the alcohol to like, just to feel better or to feel confident or what was, I guess we, maybe we can help. And, uh, with a little bit of your story. Yeah. So mine, mine wasn't really, uh, to feel confident or to talk to anybody. Mine was, uh, drinking to make myself feel better. Like it was alcohol to me was, um, it was filling a void in my life, uh, or erasing memories in my life by using alcohol. Uh, because I, when I drink, I drink to get drunk. I drink to black out. And, um, it was, um, it was really just to erase memories that I had uh, because I, 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 I suffered a lot growing up uh, with a dysfunctional family um, in and out of juvenile detention, um, finally led to my incarceration. And all of those memories that I had, um, alcohol was to make those go away. Is, if that makes sense. Yep, it does because I I had I definitely had moments where it was like I would go into a deep depression, especially at the end of a relationship. At any any end of a relationship, my my habit was to stop eating. I was smoking at the time, so I'd be smoking like a pack of cigarettes a day, and I would drink at least a bottle of wine at night. It was just not eat, drink as much as possible, and try to erase the pain. So I totally resonate with that. Yeah, and. For me, it, it was as I got older, uh, it seemed like the alcohol got worse. Uh, the drinking got worse. And I uh, I was in therapy for a very long time. I'm still in therapy, but it's still um, now it, I, I don't I don't even have the craving to drink alcohol. But it seems like now that I'm sober, I'm able to deal with those memories and compartmentalize, yeah, compartmentalize those memories to be able to not focus on them and not make uh, make myself have any feelings towards them. It's kind of like I've I've, I've gone numb to it, right? And it's. Um, and, and, and that that was that was part of the the therapy um, the the mock funeral that I had from my parents um, that was just a, a a therapy to to help with how I was feeling of abandonment uh, my parents abandoned me when I was a kid um, not in the sense of like gave me up for adoption or something like that it was uh, they turned their eyes and just let me let me be arrested and let me go to jail. And um, they even called the police on me several times for stuff that was so stupid. And uh, dealing with that as an adult, um, it, it made me feel like I did not have anybody there in my life that would love me the way that I wanted to be loved. Yep. <laughs> And my wife, I, I've been with my wife since I was 17. Um, we, we've never had a break in our relationship. And I always felt the love from her. Um, but I always 
felt like she was going to turn on me at any time. And she's never turned on me, but it's still, that's what I was used to. It was being close to somebody and just one day they turn their back on you. And that's part of my childhood trauma. Um, we, we eventually decided that, uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD, um, because of my incarceration and it, um, it took a while to be able to function normally in society. Even though I was a very successful businessman, my personal life was always in chaos. Something was always going on. There was always drama. And it took a long time to stop that behavior, stop drinking, stop doing the drugs, and get on a, a path of normal normalcy in life. And I, I finally accomplished that. And uh, it, it's it's a hell of a lot better than, than always... You know, am I going to drink too much today and piss my wife off or right. am I going to drink today and get in the car and get arrested? There's just a, living in that moment um, where you're so dependent on the alcohol. Um, and I would start drinking at nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And by the time I got done for the day, I was blacked out. So I was driving around all day. I had a, a open container in the vehicle at all times. So it was always a, a stressor. Am I gonna get caught? Cause if I get caught, I'm going to jail. <laughs> um, so it, that living that kind of life is, uh, it, it's scary and it's very stressful. And once you can overcome that, life gets so much better and life gets easy. And, you know, the stressors that I have to deal with now, I I still have a very stressful life. Um, I'm a small business owner. My my business that I do run is a 24 seven company. So I'm always on call. And that's stressful. Um, you know, getting the one one o'clock in the morning phone call from the corporate office that we have a job, and I have to get up and deal with it. Um, that, that's stressful. Um, the 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 nature of our business is dealing with people who have lost their homes or have you know a flooded home or are dealing with some kind of major. Uh, major life change, mm. um, and that that gets projected on us as as the first responders coming in to help them. So um, it's still stressful, but dealing with it, it has gotten a lot easier uh, because drugs and alcohol are not involved. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. And like, yeah, for me, it was like once I learned how to feel my feelings, because that that was really the, a big piece was I was avoiding feeling my feelings. Once I learned how to do that and I learned that my feelings wouldn't actually kill me, then I felt like I could face anything head on. And so I have a similar experience and just the fact that, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that like life in, in and of itself hasn't gotten easier, but it's that I now have tools in order to manage whatever happens in life. Yeah. Very yeah. And, and, oh, sorry. Well, no, you're, for you're me, good, man. 
Yeah, for me, it wasn't. Uh, so when, when I decided I was going to go into sobriety um, and stop drinking and drugging, um, it was January 28th, 2018. So I'm coming up on my three year sobriety birthday. But um, and I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, three months after I was uh, in sobriety, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. So for me, life did not get easier at all going into sobriety life got much harder for me and i i, I talked about in the last episode the the the, the cancer and the mm-hmm. surgeries and the chemotherapy uh that was the hardest thing that i have ever done in my life but at no time during that process did i ever say you know maybe i should just go have a drink and make this go away uh, I never had those thoughts. I, I hit the hit the issues head on. Um, I prayed. I asked. I, I built my relationship with God, and I uh, came out a better person. Um, and I'm 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 in the position I am today. I'm stronger than I have ever been today. Um, and I'm 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 proud of where where I am today. So. It. <laughs> <laughs> very cool very cool well, I, uh, let's turn this over to kind of like how we started healing and I, my question is for you and you mentioned earlier that you had you met a coach right and yeah. and they started helping you and and, and, and helping you kind of raise your awareness how did you first come in contact with that person and, and how exactly did they start changing you or start making you a little more aware I guess is the proper way to say it Yeah. So I actually started in traditional therapy because while I was in that relationship, I started to realize. So years, years ago, like 20 years ago, I I, um, experienced sexual abuse. And I although I had been going through my healing process with that, I realized that while in this relationship, there were still triggers that were coming up that needed to be healed. And so I decided to seek out therapy to help with that. That was my original intention. And I had four sessions with this woman and I, and I think that therapy absolutely has its place. My, my stepmom is a retired therapist. I've, I've experienced therapy in really positive terms, but at that moment in my life, I felt like I was rehashing shit that I didn't need to rehash. I felt like I was just kind of sitting, sitting and not really going anywhere. And so after four sessions, I was like, therapy is not for me. And so I, then I was like, let me seek out a coach. And I had a friend who was actually working with this man in Kansas city and luckily he was, he would do Skype um, sessions. And so I emailed him and I just said, these are all the things I'm struggling with. This is what I'm wanting to heal. These are the path. Like I was extremely self-aware. And so I was like, I have this, 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 and this, I just don't know how to stop doing what I'm doing. I'm sabotaging this relationship that I don't want to sabotage. And so we had one call and he kind of told me what, what he does and learned a little bit about me. And he asked, you know, he said, Ann, I only work with tens on a scale of one to 10. Where would you say you fall? And I said, I'm 11. I will do whatever it takes. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. And, um, and so he really started with, um, I'm trying to remember, but I, cause I know he sent me a, a worksheet that I started filling out. I think first I looked at my life and just kind of like the ups and downs. It was like a timeline of my life, you know, like yeah. what were all the things that had happened from, you know, birth to then what were the peaks, what were the valleys and what did it look like mapped out? And through our conversations 
and me just kind of sharing with him what was going on, he kept saying like, and you're, you're thinking that you're a victim and like, yeah, shit has happened to you. You have been victimized, but like, you're not a victim. And, um, and he started telling me you, cause I would talk about the fact that I didn't trust my partner. And he was like, it's not that you don't trust your partner. You don't trust yourself. And it was like, everything kept coming back to personal responsibility. Um, and so that was really eye-opening to me. And when, when he started to talk to me about codependency and being responsible for my own happiness, like my mind was totally blown. Cause I was like, what is the purpose of being in a relationship? If it's not for the other person to make you happy, like it, it really did not make right. any sense to me back then. And he was like, the purpose of being in a relationship is to love someone else. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like that just, that was <laughs> bizarre to me. And he's like, right, you come in whole and complete and then you give your love to someone else. And I was like, that is just, it was mind blowing. Yeah. So he had me start to list out things that I was passionate about. Like he asked, when was the last time you felt passion? And I thought way back when to when I was in a band and I was like, I'm super passionate about music. And he was like, think about what that feels like in your body. That's what feeling feels like. And so he just kind of helps me connect to like, what was the feeling that I was trying to embody and what else in my life did I feel that way about? And I was like, okay, well, cooking is something that I feel passionate about going on walks, you know, being in nature. And so I just started to incorporate those types of things into my life. And although I still wasn't in a space where like, like I still would have rather done it with my partner I was like, okay, at least I like, I, I won't die. I can do these things. And it's like kind of fun, you know, like, yeah. so I just started there. Very, very cool. So yeah. So, so you, so you meet that coach, he's, he's trying, he's helping you kind of connect the dots in certain ways. And, and, and then that proved very helpful. Then you decide to just drop your stuff, go on this journey. So what I'm curious, what did the, uh, the people in your life, family and, and friends, what did they think when you told them, Hey, this is what I'm doing? Oh, they thought I was crazy. So I didn't tell anyone for like a good two months. Like I was kind of like okay. dropping hints. I was like dropping hints on Facebook. You know, I was like, I'm looking at Airbnbs, but I'm not telling anyone why, you know? And, right. And, just um, little, little nuggets of info. Yeah. And then I was just like starting to like get rid of things. Cause that was the first step really was like, let me start to get rid of the little things in my life. You know, like the okay. normal things that you would donate to Goodwill. Right. It was just like, let me start there. No one will think that's weird. And that doesn't feel too scary. But as I started getting rid of like some, not large items, but larger items, I mm-hmm. thought, you know, I'm going to have to tell people at some point, like I'm, if I'm actually going to do this, I'm going to have to tell people. Yeah. And I don't even remember exactly how I told them. I just or like what I said, I, but I did tell them and um, not super supportive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like my family loves me. I know they love me, which is probably why they weren't super supportive. Um, but cause the, and, and what I tell people is like, when you have something like that, when you have like a vision or a calling or an intuitive hit, like no one yeah. can see what you like, no one can see your vision. No one can feel what you For feel. Your, and your so, perspective, right. right. And so, um, I just kept saying like, I don't know why I just know that I'm supposed to. And I kind of, you know, I just, like I had an idea that it was for something bigger, but I didn't, I just didn't know. And, um, there was definitely some conflict around like some of the family items that I was getting rid of. That was not super popular. Yeah. I could see (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, at, at the end of the day, like, 
I mean, now I guess now that I've rooted down, they're like, you know, it wasn't so bad. But no, I, I did have some family members who really talked to me like every single week. We'd FaceTime every single week. And so yeah. they saw my ups and downs. They saw my growth. They saw my transformation. I was talking to them about kind of these aha moments that I was having. And even though it wasn't comfortable for them to watch, because there were moments where I had no money. There were moments where I had no food. There, I always had a roof over my head. But there were moments where I would leave one Airbnb and I didn't know where I was going to stay that night. And I really had to practice surrender. And, um, and I, there were so many moments where I had to say to people, like, I know that it doesn't look the way that any of us thought it was going to look, but I know that this is on purpose. I know I'm on the right path. I know that God is using this for some reason, right. even if I can't see why in this moment. And, um, and so I just had to, stick to that you know but no people were not not super supportive of that journey (laughs) what were some of the the i guess is it weird to say highlights I guess it's like, what were some of, so what were some of like the, the highlights of your, through your your journey? So your ahas, some of your, you know, big, big moments for you. Um, I would say one of the biggest lessons I learned, and there, there are a lot, but one of the biggest lessons I learned was that, um, I couldn't react to the contrast. So like when something appeared to not be working out, Instead of reacting and trying to solve the problem, I had to just kind of like take a step back. And so here's an example. So when I was in um, Colorado in 2019, Mm -hmm. I left one Airbnb. I had $9 in my bank account. I didn't know where I was staying that night. And I had a friend who actually had hotel points. And she's like, I could put you up in a hotel for a week. And I was like, well, I don't have enough money for the pet fee, you know? And she was like, okay, well, if you know, money comes in or whatever, like I'll totally put you up. And I was like, all right. So I drove to this park, cats in the back, in the back seat, all my stuff in my car. Yeah. And I drive to this park and I'm sitting there and I'm like eating lunch. And I was like, okay, you have $9 in your bank account. You have food that you're eating right now. If you need to go to the grocery store, you have enough food for tonight, you know, tomorrow morning, like, you know, um, worst case scenario, you have to sleep in your car. It's not the end of the world. Like we can just pretend that we really want to camp in the car. Like, you know, I was just like talking myself through this and, and my ego, my fear kept saying, reach out to that person who, you know, this person owes you money and this person owes you money, like reach out to them. And I was like, that's trying to solve a problem. If I already had the money in my bank account and then I wouldn't be reaching out to these, these people who owe me money. So So I I sat there and I just focused on like really paying attention to whether I was getting, getting that impulsive hit to do something out of fear, like ask someone who owed me money or was God telling me to just like, wait, you know, just wait. And so I kept hearing like, just wait. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. And, um, and I did, and I waited and I just, I, I like calmed my body down, calmed my nervous system down. And I was just like, let me feel into, I already have the money in my bank account. I'm going to be sleeping in the hotel tonight. All is going to be well. It's going to be great to stay in the hotel for a week. How, you know, just focusing on that. And it was within 20 minutes. One of the people who owed me money, never contacted them. They sent me the money. Wow. Just <laughs> out of like, the blue okay. like that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that yeah that's that's yeah wow that's 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 awesome um yeah. very cool um so so you go through your journey to go through your process and and you become more self-aware and um and, and everything and you're good to go so what happens after 
At what at what point did you decide? Okay, my journey is complete. Not that your journey could ever really be complete in the grand right. sense of the word, but right. what are you just like? Okay, I'm ready to settle. I'm ready to stay still. Okay, so I was guided to Phoenix a couple times, and every time, you know, when I say that I was guided based off of my intuition, I really mean like there were places I did not want to go, but my intuition is like you're going there, and and my yeah. mind was like I am not. I will go somewhere else, and mm-hmm. and Phoenix was one of those places I didn't want to come to. I I had visited in 2015, and I said I'll never come back. I just didn't care for it, and yeah. um, I was here in 2018 for a month and a half and enjoyed it, but then in 2019 I was guided back, and I was like I don't I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Uh, Sedona, yes. Phoenix, no. Sure. And um. So I was guided to Phoenix. I came to Phoenix in October of 2019 and first stayed in an Airbnb. And then from there, I remembered that I have, I have a friend here who I hadn't, I hadn't met in person, but we had been online friends for a little while. So my intuition was like, reach out to her and, and, you know, meet up. So we met up for coffee, really hit it off, you know, had a great time. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, you know, I'm actually going to be out of the country for a couple of weeks. If you need a place to stay, feel free to stay at my place. So that all worked out. Well, then when she came back, she was like, feel free to stay as long as you want. And I was like, well, let's talk about that because, you yeah. know, I don't a have step. a home. So like, you know, so I ended up staying there for eight months. You know, I stayed with my friend in Mississippi for eight months. I stayed with my friend here for eight months and it just naturally kind of worked out. Well, then around end of May, beginning of June of 2020, yeah, I started to get the, the intuitive hit that I was like, it's time, it's time to leave Phoenix. It's time to move on. And so I decided to go to Utah. And so I went to Utah for a month and within my first week of being in Utah, I really missed Phoenix, which I did not anticipate at all. I was like crying and I was like, I want to go oh, wow, back to yeah. Phoenix. And so I really realized once I had gone to Utah that I was like, I want a home. I want that stability. I, you know, I've been doing this for three years. And, um, and so my entire month in Utah, I started kind of making the preparation of, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, cause I didn't have enough money for like first and last month's rent. My credit wasn't super fantastic, you know? So I was like, how am I going to sign a lease? And I was like, well, I'll start. And I actually didn't want a lease at that point. I was like, I'll just stay in Airbnbs in Phoenix, you know, hopefully long-term. And so I started, you know, preparing for that. By the time that the day that I left Utah, I realized that it was exactly three years to the date that I had left Chicago. Wow. And I was like, that can't even be planned, you know, like it just, I had no clue. And so when I, when I returned to Phoenix, I returned with the intention of making it a home base. And I stayed in Airbnbs for like another two months, I think kind of circling around. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, I want a home. I want like a home where I, I don't have someone else's stuff, you know, like, and I start, I can actually start to build my own space again. And so I now I, I signed a lease, a six month lease, but a lease next to a really good friend of mine. And so now I'm officially in building mode. Very, very cool. That's, 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 that's funny how you mentioned three years to the day I'll come in full circle. I think that's yeah, awesome. It was pretty cool. Very cool. So now you're, you're, you're in Phoenix, you got your lease, you're, you're, you're set up. So, uh, so, so what is it that, uh, how, how do you occupy your time now? You spent three years going around the, around the country. So what do you do? I do exactly what I did while I was traveling around. <laughs> very cool. I love that. 
So when I was traveling, a lot of people were like, how do you make money? You know, when I was traveling around, I said, well, I have a business. I've had a business for seven years, um, but I, I'm an author. Like you mentioned at the beginning, I'm a published author. So cool. my first book is the first book of a three book series, basically about my journey. Um, so I'm a published author. I'm also a podcaster and I also work with clients. I'm a mentor. Love that. Love yeah. that. Very, very cool. Well, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing your, your, Thank your, you. your wonderful story and, 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 and kind of giving us a, a, another unique perspective on, uh, uh, on hope and healing. And, and that's what we're all about here. So thank I, you I'm so really much. It was super, fun. Super, super thankful that you came on through. But, uh, before we kind of wrap this up, I mean, you have, you have the camera right here, you know, where, where can the people find you? Where they, where can they come see you? you the, the camera's yours. You can find everything on AnnLivingstonCoaching.com. I'm also on social media at Ann the Nomad. And the Nomad. Guys, do us a favor. Go ahead, check her out. And uh, and like I said, thank you for coming on. Jason, do you have anything else before we kind of wrap it all up? Uh, no, uh, that's um, – and I had never met anybody that – like claim to be a nomad. So there is, <laughs> I learned so much from you. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, if, if, if I was still in addiction, you know, I would probably do something like that. Um, if I didn't have a family, if I didn't have kids and my wife, I, I, I think that would be like, um, be something like that's right up my alley. Um, but yeah, I'm not in that position. So <laughs> it was, it was powerful. I mean, people kind of are like, you really grew, I grew at an exponential rate. You know, you just evolve so quickly. You heal yeah. so quickly because you don't really have any other option. You're faced with all your fears all the time. Yeah. You're so self-aware, yeah. which I think is very cool and, and, uh, and very powerful. Very cool. Thank you so much. All right, Thank guys. You. Thank you for coming on. Guys, be sure to check out the podcast as always. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We also upload every week to YouTube, youtube.com slash spiraling ministry. So be sure to go and give us a check. Uh, check us out. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks.